Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everybody and welcome to this midweek edition of La Liga Lowdown as we recap the midweek action we just had in match day 4 of the new La Liga season. As always, I'm your host Jim McTeer and as always, we're rebroadcast on Sirius XMFC 157. We've got some really great interviews coming up with fans and journalists of clubs from around La Liga, but this episode we're going to start by discussing Ibar versus Elche. It may not be the most glamorous fixture of this round, but on La Liga Lodin, we're all about the smaller clubs as much as we're about Real Madrid and Barcelona. And don't worry, we'll still discuss the two giants in part two. But I want to start by discussing Eibar versus Elche because this is a really interesting fixture. It's one with a lot of history. Hola Silvia, ¿qué tal? Buenas noches. Eh, comencemos con una noticia preocupante que en el caso de voy a conmocionar a todo el fútbol español y es eh, la decisión del Chuche Unic que ha decidido el descenso administrativo del Elche. That was a clip from the local Valencian news from June 5th, 2015, which was 12 days after the end of the 2014-15 season. As the news anchor explained there, Elche were administratively relegated by a judge. They didn't finish in the relegation zone that season, they finished 13th, but they were administratively demoted due to unpaid debts and Ibar, who occupied that last relegation place in 18th, were given a stay of execution. They were able to stay up in the top division at Elche's expense and not everyone around Elche were best pleased with Ibar's joy at that decision. Ibar, on the other hand, argued that Elche only finished as high as they did because they signed players they couldn't afford. Anyway, since then, Ibar have never been relegated and Elche hadn't returned to the top division until this summer. Now they are returning and, adding an extra layer of intrigue to the story, current Elche CEO Patricia Rodriguez was Ibar's financial director back in 2015 at the time of all the drama between the two clubs. She even took part in a press conference where Ibar outlined why they thought Elche should be demoted. For the Elche fans, Wednesday's match away at Ibar was a chance for revenge, and they took it. 1-0 it was, a goal from new signing, Lucas Boyer that did it. Well, that and a sky penalty from Ibar's Edu Exposito. So congratulations to Elche who win their first La Liga match since a promotion. It's one win and one defeat for them. For Ibar though, it's a situation that's a lot more concerning. One draw against Celta Vigo and then defeats to Villarreal Athletic Club 
and Elche. Let's bring in Bass journalist Benyat Gutierrez now to discuss Ibar's situation. Benya, it's four matches for Ibar, no wins. And that last match was a home defeat to an Elche side that many believe to be the worst in the division. Could this start to the season have been much worse for Ibar? It could have been, yeah. At least they were able to keep the, the game tight. And even with all the problems they are having on the start of the season, you can still see Mendilibar's blueprint on, on Eibar. They are tough, they are difficult to beat, and even when they are losing, they keep the score close. So, obviously, four games in a row without achieving a victory is something to be worried about, but there are other things that go beyond the results that should concern Avar supporters. They have problems on the midfield, I think they lack of creative players, and they are also struggling a lot to figure out who can replace the injured Cote on the left back. Even if they've only lost some of the games by the odd goal like you mentioned, I know that many Avar fans aren't happy with the attitude of the players. Is that criticism justified? It's always difficult to evaluate players' attitude. Usually that's one of the things that makes them very upset when their attitudes are questioned. That said, I feel, and I know this is uh, pretty obvious, this may sound like something stupid to point out, players may be missing the, the supporters. What I mean is that Ipurua is quite a special stadium and its atmosphere has been a key player on Avar's success in the past seasons. On an empty stadium, it's easier to let yourself go when things are not going well and I don't think that equals a lack of attitude on the field. We're seeing some results, we're seeing some moments where seem that players are lacking of the intensity we think they, they should have. but. That's usually explained by the poor atmosphere they are surrounded by on an empty stadium. No, I, I don't think that's a, a stupid uh, point to make at all. It's, it's something that we're sometimes forgetting, the fact that these games are behind closed doors. It's weird how we've sort of gotten used to this so quickly, but even if the fans aren't there to chant and back the team, Mendili Bar is right there to shout at them. He can probably shout even louder and more clear than usual. He really is one of the best coaches in the division though and I feel a little bit sorry for him because I think Eber's problem right now is that they just don't have enough quality in this year's squad. Do you agree with that? I need to confess that I was surprised when Mendilibar extended his contract with Eibar. It felt like the perfect time to part ways and Twentanera has been very successful for both sides. He's been there for six seasons, and that's a lot of time. He had to come up with something new every year, reinvent the team with new players, and that's a very demanding task. That's one issue. The other is the quality of the squad, obviously. They lost important players like Escalante, Orellana or Cristoforo and so far the new additions are not working as expected. And I say so far because we're still on an early age of the season and things can change and they can turn into valuable players for Mendilibar, but feels like they need 2-3 signings to improve the quality of their roster. It's not clear though that they will have the money for, considering that they spend money on the renovation of Ipurua and on the building of a new training center that is very important for the club's future. One of the rumours I've heard is that Fernando Llorente, who is Basque of course, could come into Eibar this transfer window. Do you see that as realistic? 
It would be quite surprising to see Fernando Llorente in Eibar. He left Athletic to win trophies, he did, but probably he didn't have as much success as he wanted to. So could we kind of thought to see him back in the Basque country playing for a team whose goal is to avoid relegation and where the pressure to score would be huge on him. Also, from the Avar point of view, and considering they have limited resources to go to the market, probably they need other things rather than a striker. Kike Garcia is not as good as Llorente, but he is a working-class striker who fits really well on the team. So finally, Benya, can you tell us just what the general mood in the Basque country is right now regarding Ibar? Do people sense that 2020-2021 might be the season when they finally get relegated? Yeah, people is concerned. Avar is a team a lot of people have a sympathy for, even between the supporters of other Basque teams. Avar's performance so far hasn't been good, actually it was pretty poor, and now everything is about finding three teams that are worse than them to avoid relegation. It is true that it's not their first rodeo and that with Mendy the team tends to improve as uh, games go by, but it seems that if it's not the year they get relegated, they are going to have to fight a lot to avoid it. They have problems, they had them last year, they were able uh, to compete well on the last stage of the season, but let's see what happened this year because they are lacking a lot of stuff. Yeah, they certainly are. It hasn't been a good start at all for Ibar. On the other hand, a much better start for Elche than most of that club's fans possibly hoped for. Well, thank you, Benyat, for providing the lowdown there. Now, it's the time in the podcast where we bring you some of the best commentary from the world of La Liga. For this midweek round, what we call our sore throat game of the week is Villarreal versus Alaves because there were many goals and lots of drama for the commentators to work through. It was a fun game and here's Matt Clark to talk us through it. Villarreal got over their defeat at the weekend by beating Alaves 3-1 at Estadio de la Ceramica. But there was plenty of drama in this game. Before, there was some pressure on Unai Emery after the manner of their first half performance at Camp Nou, and more eyebrows were raised when Take Kubo was once again left on the bench, especially as Samuel Chukweze was also left out. Many Villarreal fans are clamouring for him to get a run of games. Into this game then, and Villarreal showed no signs of a hangover. Paco Alcácer showed what a clinical finisher he is with the opening goal after just 13 minutes. Mario Gaspar crossed to the near post where Alcácer showed tremendous skill and finesse to open his foot and guide the ball to the back post from an acute angle. Toca Tito in the words of the Cope commentator. But Alaves found themselves level in quite bizarre circumstances. A long and rather hopeful ball forward seemed to bamboozle Sergio Asenjo as he came out to collect, but completely misjudged the trajectory of the ball and was well outside of his area. So he realised he couldn't touch it or he'd be sent off. As the ball bounced right over his head, Edgar Mendez was only too happy to tap it into an unguarded net. 
4-2, veremos si hay algún cambio. Uf, de error de Asenjo y el tanto de Edgar Méndez, el tanto del empate, minuto 36, de una forma sorprendente. Llega el gol, se lo acaba de encontrar el Deportivo a la vez, pero había que estar ahí para, desde luego, aprovechar esa enorme oportunidad. Error de Asenjo, en una forma sorprendente. Undoubtedly a surprising error in its rarity, and Alaves took full advantage of that enormous opportunity. Alaves repaid them before the break though, giving away a penalty, which Gerard Moreno calmly converted. This goal meant that Moreno has now scored in all three of Villarreal's home games this season. And if you go back to the end of last season, he has now scored in his last six matches at La Ceramica. Moreno was determined to finish the match in the second half, and he nearly did, but his shot struck the post. Luckily for Villarreal, his partner in crime, Alcácer, was on hand to control it, dink it beyond Fernando Pacheco, and finish the chance and the game. This is how it sounded on Cope. Goal in Villarreal! Rafa! Goal! De Paco Alcácer! Otro balón a la espalda deja sola Gerard Moreno! Tira la vaselina! Dan el poste y el rechace le cae al Cácer. Sortea Pacheco y empuja para adentro. It was double trouble at the top end of the pitch. Alcácer and Moreno are a formidable pair and sit together at the top of the Pichichi standings after their evening's work. As for Alaves, the pressure is starting to grow on coach Pablo Machín. They have just one point on the board from their first four games and the coach has already deviated away from his preferred 3-5-2 system to a more Alaves style 4-4-2. As a coach, Machin is now winless in 12 La Liga matches, dating back to last October. With two home games against Athletic Club and Elche coming up next, they need to get a win pretty soon. Thanks for that, Matt. Alaves really do need to get some points on the board soon, or it'll be trouble for Machin. A good guy, a friend of La Liga Lodan 2, as we've had him on before. His methods just need time in certain clubs, and hopefully he gets it, but keep in mind that Alaves' owner... Jose Antonio Quevejeta is pretty ruthless when it comes to underperforming coaches. Remember, they even let Jose Bordelas go after he won them promotion in 2016. He literally won the Spanish second division and was sacked for it. But he's done all right for himself since then, and he currently sits at the summit of La Liga Santander with Hitafi. Yes, that's right. Hitafi are top of the table at the end of this match day four, and we're going to discuss them next. That's coming up after this short break. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. 
Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello everyone and welcome back to part 2 of our Match Day 4 recap. We're going to start this section with the league leaders, that's Hitafi. They've only played 3 fixtures, one fewer than most teams, but they've got 7 points and are top on goal difference after a huge 3-0 win over Betis 1, achieved without needing much possession at all. I feel like we've seen this movie before. So let's get into it, let's start praising this amazing Hitafi side, and let's do so with Hitafi supporter Dom Tancock. Seven points, three clean sheets. This Hitafi are much improved compared to the post-lockdown Hitafi that finished last season. What's changed, Dom? What a fantastic start it's been. The squad seems fresher. The squad seems happier with its surroundings. Um, more acclimatised and not having supporters in the stadium. And uh, some new faces, which of course helps any squad and uh, just brightens up the place. I also think having no European football um, is a big factor in the in the start. Uh, you know, the start of the Europa League campaign particularly is always very hectic and um, possibly, you know, which seems mad to say, it will do Katafi a favour. You know, I know we craved it so much at the end of last season and, and fought hard to the last day, but perhaps this season it might do us a favour. Some, I think, thought the borderless methods might grow stale this season, but... Surely having him for another season can only be a good thing. In the six weeks, six, seven weeks of the of the end of last season, the team played with a huge cloud over over them and that was Borderlass going because I think everyone was convinced he was, whether that was to Valencia or I think he was linked with Roma. Um, almost certainly, I think most pundits and most Getafe fans feared that he would be leaving. But he is the perfect fit. He is absolutely the perfect fit for Getafe and he's rejuvenated the club and has worked wonders in the last four seasons. And we go into the fifth with him as the manager. Um, And he admitted himself in the summer, you know, maybe it was his time to leave, uh, but he hasn't. He's still here and he's happy. Um, And I, for one, are delighted. And I think you can see the players are delighted. And... It's possibly, you know, freshened up the whole look. So, yeah, it's a fantastic achievement um, that Borderlass has has committed to the club. Yeah, I 100% agree. Keeping Borderlass is such a boost. And what about keeping Mark Kukurea, who signed on a permanent transfer and who scored a brilliant long-range goal in the win over Betis? Um, He was by far and away the best player during the lockdown end to last season and he started this season um, fantastically well. 
I know Baudelas has said that he needs to score more goals and uh, I think he's already equaled his tally uh, with the goal this season so um, it's a massive positive and uh, he seems happy you know his his post-game comments was all about him being happy and him wanting to drive the team forward and and build on his career as well so um, you know if he keeps scoring goals like that then uh, Cucurella will be a fantastic permanent addition to the Getafe squad and what about Cucho? What does he bring to the team? Can you describe what he brings to the team's attack? Very versatile, very quick, and uh, already come up with two assists this season already. Um, so he's done more in these three games than Devilson did uh, for us at the end of last season. And he just looks a younger, fresher, better version of, of Devilson, really. And I think he'll do fantastically well for us under the guidance of Bordelas, who has a knack of turning these types of players into better quality players. And uh, I'm sure that will be the same with Cucho. And I'm sure he seems committed to the club. Hitafi have flirted with Champions League the past few seasons. They've got into the Europa League as well, of course. What would you say is the objective for this season? What do you want from 2020, 2021? I'd love to see us compete for the Copa del Rey. I think if we could go on a good cup run, it would be a brilliant achievement. And um, it's possible without the distraction again of the Europa League football campaign. Um, you know, let's give winning a cup a real good shot. But um, yeah, Bordelas is the key to everything and uh, I'm delighted he's staying. And hopefully the start of the season will continue in the way it started. Um, yeah, vamos Geta. So, thanks for that, Dom. You can just tell how excited Dom is that Bordelas is staying, and you can't blame him. A truly excellent coach, and if you're interested in finding out more about the Jose Bordelas story so far, and what might lie in store in the future, check out a piece by Ruri Barlow on LaLigaLowdown.com titled, Jose Bordelas, the Roman ready to conquer. Now, Dom mentioned there that Bordelas was linked with Valencia at one point, but in the end it was Javi Gracia who ultimately got that job, and he just oversaw something of a shock win as his side won 1-0 away at Real Sociedad with a Maxi Gomez goal. We heard Valencia fan and journalist Paco Pollitt's frustrations about Valencia at the weekend after their draw with Huesca. Let's hear what he has to say now after that victory. Paco, this was a rare thing for Valencia. This was an away win. It's been a while since uh, you could say that, hasn't it? Yep, almost 10 months since December 2019 when they beat Levante at Stadio Ciudad de Valencia. All in all, it was an awful stat, especially for a team which is expected to fight for important goals at the end of the season. 2020 hasn't been kind for the team when going on the road, but they were finally able to turn things around after two consecutive awful displays when playing against Celta away and Huesca home. The final minutes were pure agony, but those three points were absolutely huge for Valencia. Mm-hmm. In this one, they were dominated in terms of possession by Real Sociedad, but the counter-attack in football worked. How much praise does Javi Gracia deserve for this? 
I think praise for Javi Gracia should be focused on two main moves, making the whole team to work hard when defending and obviously being able to cancel Real Sociedad's strong points while remaining competitive. The whole squad ran quite a lot during the game and in fact I believe leaving Gonzalo Guedes on the bench and without playing minutes was a strong statement coming from the coach. He wants players to be committed and it didn't seem commitment was Guedes's main worry in the first couple of games. There were a few nifty tricks here and there which Javi Gracia used in the game in Anoeta and the most visible one was starting youngster Portuguese Thierry Correa on the right back. He possibly, by the way, had his best game with Valencia shirt to date. And also the other big change was placing Daniel Vaz as some sort of all-around playmaker in the midfield. The Danish player was, in my view, one of the big highlights for his team by setting up the play which ended in Maxi's goal and also overall being all around the pitch, running up and down, passing the ball around, recovering it and being one of the leaders of the team. Valencia will be unable to play in the same way they used to do in the last five or six seasons, because obviously Parejo is no longer there, but it surely seems Javi Gracia trusts quite a lot Daniel Vaz and he might choose him to be the one in charge of carrying that mantle. Valencia went up against one of their former players, David Silva, in this match. What have you thought about his performances so far this season as he tries to replace Odegaard at La Real? First of all, I don't really think David Silva's job is to replace Odegaard. I think he actually improves Odegaard in quite a few areas. Yeah, well, Silva's 34 and his pacing is not the same as a 21-year-old kid, but the way he bossed the game in the first half surely resembled some of his best days back in Valencia and also back in Manchester City. I can see he's still picking up his true form and slowly getting in shape, but we also see that have made a monster signing with him and I expect greatness from the midfielder this season, regardless of the fact that we also see that lost to his former side. Okay, thank you Paco. Let's now move on to Real Madrid and to Barcelona, the two most likely title challengers, even if, and I'll say it again, Etafi are top as we speak. Real Madrid played Real Valladolid on Wednesday night just a few hours after it was confirmed that Eden Hazard has suffered a new injury. He'll be out for around a month. Zidane started Benzema and Jovic together again in this game, the first time ever he's played them from the start two games in a row. And it worked. Jovic was really good and I thought he was unlucky not to score. Then Zidane changed things up midway through the second half by bringing on wingers Asensio and Vinicius and Vinicius almost immediately scored when a ball rolled right to him in front of the goalkeeper. It was a good finish, but it meant that the narrative to come out of this game was that Vinicius equals good and Jovic equals bad. But I wouldn't put it as simplistic as that at all. Jovic showed real signs of life and Real Madrid now have seven points. Just one behind them are Barcelona, who have played again less remember. They got a win this match day two, and it was a really impressive performance as they went away to Celta Vigo in very wet and windy conditions, winning 3-0 despite going down to 10 men in the first half when Clement Longley got two yellows. We often hear people say that Messi couldn't do it on a wet and windy night in Stoke, but is a wet and windy night in Vigo maybe even more difficult? Let's ask Roman de Arquer, our man in Barcelona. What do you think, Roman? Is this one of the toughest places to go and get a win? 
It is. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Let's not forget that Barcelona hadn't won at uh, Balaidos since 2015. Since then, they've played six games there and it was three draws and three defeats for Barcelona. So that's a very, very tough stadium for uh, Los Cules. And just imagine in those conditions, you could see the corner flag. It was just almost flying off because of the harsh wind there was in the rain. So, I mean, Barcelona had a really tough game and I have to say, Chapo, I mean, that performance was extremely impressive. I mean, I was very impressed already with the one the game against Villarreal, but this game was just, you know, a real test to see if Barca were were at the level required because, as I said before, Celta is an extremely tough team for Barcelona. It's one of those sides that always put us in problems and somehow... Uh, this team performed so well and it's the same guys almost that we saw uh, in that game against Bayern the Munich in that 8-2 defeat so really impressive the change in attitude and how things seem to be working with Kuman at the moment really good job and it was another great start to the match for Barcelona just like against Villarreal this early directness is something we didn't see often under Setien isn't it? Yeah, it's something we haven't seen in a very long time in Barcelona, not just with Setien, I say with other managers too. And I'm really impressed how Kuman is capable of um, changing the team so quickly in such a short period of time, because let's not forget their preseason has been very, very short, like most teams. And it's not just the fact that they're very dynamic and vertical and there's a lot of directness, but they're also very creative. They're linking up really well the players and they're combining extremely well. It's not just slow passes you know and taking their time and, and losing momentum they're making really quick one-touch passes and they're moving out and occupying the spaces to receive again and this is really causing a lot of trouble to the defenses as we saw against Villarreal and Celta where they don't really know where to go how to uh, mark the players and it's generating a lot in attack for Barcelona so uh, very impressive uh, work from Kuman in this short period of time. What were your thoughts on the red card for Longley? Correct decision? Absolutely not. I mean, I have to disagree with the referee and I have no problem in admitting when there's a red card or or a foul that deserves a sending off. But in this case, I think it was such a harsh decision. I mean, first of all, um, the ball was going towards the sideline. So even if uh, Lenglet doesn't touch Denis Suarez, Lenglet is going to quickly be able to to close him down because he barely had any, any space, any real danger because he was going away from the box and not into it. And furthermore, uh, Lenglet's arm and hand doesn't hit him in the face, it goes straight to the shoulder. So I think it was just a simple foul and there was no more to it. I think that was a really harsh decision from the referee and I have to disagree with it. You're right, you do accept right here on this podcast the correct decisions that do go against Barcelona. So it does seem a harsh one. And what were you thinking at that moment? How concerned were you to have Barcelona playing with 10 men in Vigo with just a one-goal lead at that time? Oh, my thought at that moment was a here we go again, you know, imagining uh, previous results at Balaidos. Also, Sergio Roberto had been sent up a couple of years ago there. And of course, things went badly for Barcelona in the end. And I expected more of the same. So I was extremely concerned. But then, I mean, the reaction from the team with one man down was very, very impressive. I think 
no, I think nobody expected that from Barcelona. I thought I think most of us were like, okay, Celta are just going to push, push, push and get the goals. But Barca were so disciplined um, in attack. First of all, they came out in the second half extremely strong, combining like in the first and looking for that other goal. And they finally found it. But also in defense, they were extremely well uh, positioned, uh, very tight lines of four at the back, avoiding Celtas uh, from generating important chances. And I mean, it was the intensity was incredible from the team. And I'm really surprised uh, how they achieved this result because uh, they really deserved it with the hard work they put on the field. Okay, thank you, Roman. Now, Barcelona weren't the only team to go away from home and win with 10 men this week. Or, well, they sort of were, actually, because I'm referring to Cadiz, who went away and won in Bilbao against Athletic with nine men. And it wasn't just a couple of late reds. Carlos Acapo got sent off in minute 48, and Alvaro Negredo in minute 70 for two bookings just nine minutes after he came on. That's almost impressive. An own goal from Unai Lopez, Athletic's hero the other day, proved to be the only goal of the game and gave Cadiz the 1-0 win. Incredible stuff. Really, really epic. All three of the newly promoted sides had good results this week. Elche and Cadiz with those wins and Huesca with a goalless draw that was really impressive considering they were facing an Atletico Madrid side that just put six past Granada, and they deserved their point too, so well done to Huesca. Then, the only game we've not touched on yet was Sevilla 1, Levante 0, which almost finished goalless too, but Yusuf Enesiri popped up in stoppage time to earn Sevilla victory in that one. They host Barcelona next in a mouth-watering match day 5. Before we go, let's take a moment to congratulate Granada. There were only nine La Liga fixtures in this midweek round, and that's because Granada were in Europa League action against Malmo on Thursday, so their La Liga fixture with Osasuna was postponed, and Granada went to Sweden to take on a regular of European football, and they won 3-1. Darwin Machis, Antonio Puertas, and Yangel Herrera have written their names into the Granada history books as the goal scorers who fired the team into the Europa League group stages for the very first time. So congrats to all of our Granada supporting friends. A mighty, mighty achievement. Now, that's all we have time for, but we'll be back very soon with another episode coming right after the Match Day 5 fixtures of this weekend. For now, my thanks go to Benyat Gutierrez, Matt Clark, Dom Tancock, Paco Pollitt and Roman de Arker. I've been your host, Jim McTeer, and thanks for listening. Today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.